Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. post-draft edition 2022, an eventful, somewhat surprising three days for the uh, Tennessee Titans. A lot to unpack here, so we are, uh, are going to get right to it. Uh, Denard Walker, how much does trading A.J. Brown affect, maybe hurt the offense this season? <laughs> well, we'll know next year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I tell you what, uh, David, I, I didn't see that coming. I was shocked. Uh, but, you know, AJ has been very vocal uh, this past offseason about his contract situation. I know I've read some of the uh, tweets uh, that he made about, you know, about his value. So Philadelphia felt like, OK, we'll meet you uh, with one hundred million dollars and fifty seven of that is guaranteed. So he's off to Philly. So I'm thankful that Traylon Burks was there, that Tennessee traded up to get this young man because he might be the difference between this team going, you know, forward or backwards. So, again, I mean, I think this is going to be something that you're going to look at down the line and say, okay, you know, we won um, in this draft. I I don't know how – it's hard to explain because I don't know what John Robinson was thinking and giving up – AJ to Philly, but again, that's that's a part of the game. John Glennon, let's let's get into that. What was John Robinson thinking in, in making this trade, and and do you think he made the right decision? I think he really made the only decision he could. Uh, you know, I think he was basically backed into a corner. I I absolutely think they wanted to re-sign AJ Brown. You know, this this organization under John Robinson has given us no indication that they will not sign their budding stars. You know, we look at Taylor Lewan, Derek Henry, uh, Kevin Byard, et cetera, et cetera, Harold Landry here recently, the track record is good. And and I think they wanted the same thing to to happen with AJ Brown. Um, You know, in the end, John Robinson said the gap was, was too much to bridge between what the Titans were willing to offer and what A.J. Brown was looking for. And I think A.J. Brown was the biggest reason that that gap was so big because I think A.J. Brown wanted to leave. I think he wanted to go to Philadelphia. I think he wanted to play with his very good friend, uh, Jalen Hurts. It wasn't so much as I dis- as Brown disliking the Titans as he, as he saw a better situation for him uh, in Philly. And so I think that's why he made his demands so high, you know, and, and from what we've learned, uh, those demands were even higher to the Titans than what he eventually signed with with the Eagles, which was four years at $25 million a pop. So I think when, when faced with the reality of the situation, John Robinson said, it's not going to happen here. I've got to do everything I can to, to get what I can. 
and he acted quickly, you know, and I credit him for that. What did the Titans need immediately? A replacement for A.J. Brown. So they moved up. They, they got that replacement. What did they also need? They needed more draft capital. So we got some more draft picks in the, in the day, uh, you know, and, and those indirectly or directly led to, I think, you know, three or four of the next Titans picks after Traylon Burke. So, uh, again, I think John Robinson did exactly, uh, you know, what he had to do. I don't think he had much of a choice but to move A.J. Brown in that situation. Yeah, you get the sense that A.J. had a conversation with his agent at some point this offseason that went something like this. The agent says, A.J., the wide receiver market's going crazy. I've got you and I've got a couple other big names at this position. We are in a, we are in a rare position of power right here. Don't you worry about the money. I'm going to get you paid. But what do you want? What do you think, like, what would be the perfect situation for you? And A.J. Brown, I imagine, said, you know, Jalen Hurts and I are big buddies. We've talked about this some off and on during the years. I think it'd be cool to play with with Jalen Hurts in Philly. And uh, and the agent says, well, then that's what you're going to do. And I think uh, and I think that's kind of how we ended up where we are and where we are. It is fascinating, I think, from the uh, the perspective of quarterback Ryan Tannehill. We all know how much Tannehill liked AJ and liked throwing the ball to AJ, and and you know he was his first option. But but you look at you know Corey Davis leaving last year, uh, Jonu Smith leaving last year, and and, and kind of what's gone gone on. It, it might shock some people to know that the guy on the ten, currently on the Tennessee Titans roster with the most receptions. Since Ryan Tannehill became the starting quarterback is Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry's not a guy you think of in the passing game a whole lot right now. And that's, that's 47 receptions over that span. So Ryan Tannehill is going to have a lot of work to do this offseason to familiarize himself with the, with the guys he has catching the ball. Denard, we'll go back to you. You said last week on this podcast, you wanted them to get a uh, get get a playmaker on offense. I, you know, the idea then was somebody to pair with AJ Brown, uh, Traylon Burks as a rookie, a, a similar type of guy to to AJ Brown. Can he come in and and have the kind of needed impact right away in week one? Do you think? Yes, yes. Why well, they took him at eighteen? You know, that's when they take you in the first round. That that's what they're anticipating. You coming in and making a contribution early. And I'm going to tell you who's going to have their job uh, cut out for them is uh, my former teammate, Rob Moore, uh, getting Traylon ready to go uh, first game of the season. Because you don't know right now Robert Woods' situation. We don't know if he's going to be back healthy, you know, the first game of the season or preseason. I mean, so they have a lot of question marks at the receiver. You look at Nick Westbrook-Ikene. We've seen him the last few years. He's a consistent receiver, but he's been mostly your third down, and he gets you those tough catches in there. So once again, Rob Moore, has he's got his work cut out in getting Traylon Burks ready because Traylon is going to be the number one receiver uh, when he comes into camp. And that's a lot. You know, that's a lot asking a rookie. But when you take a, a young man at that 18, you know, listen, they're, they're saying, listen, we're, we expect you to come in day one and be a starter for us. So, again, that's going to be um, 
something that I'm going to pay close attention to is is a development uh, throughout the spring and OTAs and not to mention uh, how he looks in the summer. And, and, and you know what's going to happen? I think once he develops that continuity with Ryan and they, they get that chemistry down, then this can be a beautiful duo. But again, only time will tell. And I think, but I, I truly love, I think this is a great pick for Tennessee. So I'm, I'm excited what the future holds, not only for Tennessee, but for, for this young man. John, based on your your draft analysis leading up to it and, and during it, what uh, what should people know about Traylon Burks? We've heard AJ Brown comparisons. Give us give us a little more specifics about what he's bringing to this yes. offense. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you were the the Titans, and if you're looking for a guy who who comes as close to replacing AJ Brown and and compares to him as closely as possible, you're you're probably looking at Traylon Burks, honestly. Because he's got the size, you know, he's about 6'3", he's about 225. He's not a, a speed burner like A.J. Brown was never considered, you know, an especially fleet guy. But both of those guys showed the ability to get open and not only get open, but open downfield. You know, you, you look at um, uh, Traylon Burke's average in, in, in college with Arkansas, and I think it was about 16, 17 yards. So, uh, and, and also production, you know, A.J. Brown, very productive uh, when, it, when it came to scoring touchdowns. Same sort of situation for Traylon Burke. So uh, awful lot of similarities. And the one drawback, you know, is the, is the speed factor. That was the one kind of uh, yeah. knock that he took in, uh, from some critics. But, again, he, he also looks like the kind of guy, and, and we've seen plenty of these over the years, that, that plays faster than his, than his recorded 40-yard time, too. You know, some of those clips I'm sure a lot of people have seen, uh, he's leaving guys in the in the dust, you know, after catching passes. And some of those uh, clips were, came against Alabama where, you know, he's flying and, and Alabama guys are, are charging after him and, and aren't catching him. So um, do they have a guy who, who very much compares to A.J.? Yes. Can he come in and have the same impact A.J. did right away as a rookie? And we all know A.J. was over 1,000 yards, you know, a, a very productive – that that is the the uh, the big question, you know. In time, I suspect he certainly will be, uh, you know, similar to AJ Brown. Will that happen as a rookie? We don't know. John, you mentioned earlier too that that the Titans went into this needing a little more draft capital after after getting Burks at eighteen. They traded out of twenty six, and, and what they did, you know, they went into the draft with no second round pick, mm-hmm. only two picks among the top ninety. What they ended up with was four picks in the top 90, which they turned into four in the top 86, actually, when they traded with the Raiders to move up to get Malik Willis, the quarterback, presumably now the Titans quarterback of the future. And uh, and, and, a, and in a lot of people's minds, the best pick the Titans made in terms of value there, um, it, you know, Ryan Tannehill's clock is ticking now. Uh, Denard Walker, we'll go back to you. How much do you have you seen Malik Willis? What do you know about him? What do you like about him? Oh my goodness. I love everything about Malik Willis. Before uh this draft, uh, we had a chance to break him down. And when you look at him, the first um thing that comes to my mind is I think about my big brother, Steve McNair. There's a lot of similarities between these two. You're talking about Malik being about six foot at 225 pounds. But what you love about him is his athleticism. You're talking about a guy that can push the ball downfield. You talk at this year's combine, they talked about he had the best deep ball, the strongest arm among any quarterback uh, 
down there at the uh, combines. And what you love about him is you got to understand he started off at Auburn back in 2017 and then he transferred over to Liberty. And what you love about his play is that they didn't have the strongest offensive line at Liberty and they run a lot of that zone scheme. And a lot of that zone scheme, you see a lot of times a quarterback, he kind of runs behind those guards and tackles, but because of the play of the offensive line, they had to be creative and they got him outside and he was able to utilize that athleticism and make plays with his legs. So what you love about him is his mobility. I mean, he can do it both. He can hurt you with his feet and he can hurt you with his arm. And he is what we call a development. You know, he can get around quarterback coach Pat O'Hara and just kind of work and watch Ryan, watch him how he, you know, goes throughout practice and kind of emulate the things that he does on a daily basis. But let me tell you something, he's going to be a stud because has all those intangible he has the physical attributes to be a player in this league for a long time so watch how he develops over this year I think getting a chance to play behind Ron for a year it's going to make him better you look at you know Aaron Rodgers getting a chance to you know study Brett Farr for all those years at Green Bay and this is good for him because he doesn't have to come come in to Nashville and, and try to be a starter day one he can come in and just develop and once they develop his game I tell you what, he has all the tools to be a, a Pro Bowl player in a few years down the line when Ron, you know, decides to hang it up. John Glennon, we live in a, a, a society now of instant gratification. How patient are fans going to be with Ryan Tannehill this season now that uh, now that he has a Malik Willis behind him as opposed to just a Logan Woodside, for example? Well, they'll be completely impatient. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we, yeah. we know fans in general and, and Titans fans are, are no different than any others. So I'm sure that the first uh, uh, Tannehill interception of the regular season will, will cause the great stir and, and, uh, and, and clamor for a change. Um, even the fact, you know, we're going to see Malik Willis come into the preseason games and and put up some nice numbers because it's the preseason. And I'm sure that's going to lead to some clamor and saying Malik Willis needs to be the guy right yeah. now. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't, as, uh, as Denard said, I think there has to be some development from all that we see from all that we hear and, and read about Malik Willis. You know, there's still some polish that, that needs to be added probably to the, to the passing game. You know, one, uh, critique that he gets sometimes is the hesitancy in the, in the pocket, which in, in part, uh, you know, it led to the 51 sacks last year. Also, as you mentioned, Denard, not a very good offensive line either. Right. Uh, uh, so that was that was part of it too, um, you know. And and I think there were some some issues with the uh, the accuracy uh, from time to time. The accuracy wasn't always um, uh, as consistent as as you know some of the uh, the pros might like. Um, but he's coming into a good situation, you know. As we say, he gets to polish that game for a year. He's working with Pat O'Hara, the quarterback's coach, who worked with Marcus Mariota, another yeah. dual-threat quarterback. Tim Kelly, the, the new passing game coordinator, worked with Deshaun Watson uh, in, in Houston and had some great results with him. And, he, and, he's, and another thing that actually probably works now in the favor of Malik Willis, since he wasn't a first-rounder, he's not facing that incredible pressure that yeah. always comes with a, with a first-round quarterback, the high, high, high expectations – and, and the, you know, even more of that immediacy, we need to see that guy right away. There's a little bit less of that, I think, right now with Malik Willis. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, but, but I do think what this pick does is it pretty much shines a light on where we think the end 
of Ryan Tannehill's Titans tenure is. You know, the, the salary cap number this year is big. There was nothing the Titans were able to do about that. But if they, uh, if they cut him next year with a post-June 1st distinction, all of a sudden there's big salary cap savings for this team. What, what's the number, John? I can't, it's escaping me right now. About 18, 17, 18 million. 18 million. You know, and this is a team that has, that has been doing the salary cap dance the last couple of years where you, you know, you got to cut guys early in the off season. You got to restructure another couple guys that, you know, that kind of money with plus the salary cap going up will go a long way to, uh, to help getting, getting you out of that cycle and sort of, sort of keep things going. So I, I think, uh, I think if, people are are getting tired with with Ryan Tannehill they they can sort of see the end of the line of course Tannehill is under contract for the 2023 season and if he plays off the charts pro bowl everything else then then again to your point they don't have to feel the need to get Malik Willis in there until maybe 2024 but uh, but but I also wonder too Week one last season, when you think about the Cardinals game and, and what Kyler Murray did to them. And, you know, Kyler Murray, a smaller, hyper-athletic quarterback, similar to, to Malik Willis. You wonder how much that sort of got everybody in the organization thinking, boy, maybe we yeah. need to get a quarterback like that at some point. <laughs> Kyler did that to everybody last <laughs> Exactly. And, and, and I think the feeling is Malik Willis can kind of do the same sorts of things. So, uh so Titans ended up with nine picks overall outside of Traylon Burks, Malik Willis, uh, Denard Walker. Who, who jumped out at you? Who, which one did you like in that group? Oh, man. You know what? To be honest with you, I thought it was it, this was a great draft because it, it seemed like they addressed all of their needs. I know in our last podcast, uh, you and John alluded to the fact about offensive tackles. So they go out and get the big man out of Ohio State. Uh, Nicholas, what is his name? Nicholas Pettit Ferrer. Yeah, and you know what I love about him is I watched him. Uh, They got him at 69, and the fact that they was talking about his athleticism, you know, you talk about 6'5", 315, but what you love about him is that he can play on the left side and the right side of the line. He can play both tackle positions, and you got to need that because you're talking about Taylor Lewan you know, who's what he's going to enter in his ninth year. Of course, we, we talk when we talk about Taylor, you have to talk about his durability. You're talking about what 11 games into the what, 2020 season. He tears that ACL last year. He what concussion against uh, Kansas City, the Seattle game. He went out with the knee injury. So, again, you really need that offensive lineman that can come in and say, OK, even though we lose a Taylor Lewan or let's say Dal- Dylan Red News, he doesn't necessarily – we don't know what you're going to get out of him. I thought he played well against San Francisco last year against Bosa, Nick Bosa. He held his own. He showed why he was a second-round pick. But, again, you need depth, and that's exactly what Tennessee addressed uh, in this draft. So, again, I love the big man, the offensive tackle. So that that's really what stood out to me. But, again, when you talk about this draft, I go later on in the um, – in the draft rounds, because you always find what I call your dime pieces, guys that you don't expect much, but they end up doing more. And no, Alex Pierce wasn't selected. I, <laughs> I wanted them to Very get disappointing for both of us. Right? Know, uh, but you know what, John? You know who my dark horse this year is? And I tell you what, this kid is a stud. 
They got him at round, uh, the fifth round was Cal Phillips out of UCLA. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Don't sleep on this guy. I watched him against LSU. He torched my Tigers defense. And I, was, I kept looking and I said, you know what? Who is this guy? He's not that big. He's, you know, not that fast. But when he gets the ball, he is an explosive playmaker. And not to mention in special teams, this guy is a stud. I've seen him take two punt returns last year for touchdowns against Washington State and Colorado. So, again, watch out for this Cal Phillips. He reminds me of a young Wes Welker. Again, remember that. This guy's going to be a stud, and that's really where you find a lot of your, what we call your dime pieces in the drafts is in those later rounds. So Kyle Phillips was my guy that really stood out in this draft. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Phillips is the guy who who really caught my attention, too, when I started reviewing this thing. And 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 every scouting report you saw, and, and John Robinson talked about it after the draft, everything says the same thing. The guy just knows how to get open. And, you know, oh, by the way, that's a pretty important trait for a wide receiver. And, and let's face it, this team has been trying to find the prototypical slot receiver for some yeah. time now. Adam Humphreys didn't work out the way they wanted. Not quite as productive when he was on the field, and he wasn't on the field nearly often enough. You thought last year maybe Chester Rogers would would be that guy. Didn't you know produced a little bit early, but but wasn't kind of the consistent threat you needed there. This this is a guy who could who could put up some real numbers this year, I think. And uh, and we'll go to John. You you know who 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 did you like among the uh, the later picks in this draft yeah, i was going to mention kyle phillips yeah, uh, but, yeah uh, we're on the same page yeah but and, and i i think that, you know to add what you guys have already been saying i, I think he is an excellent complement to what the titans have uh, already have in terms of that wide receiver room you know what we've seen over the titans uh, you know over the years is adding one big body af- after another and there's nothing wrong with with big wide receivers but i i think you know, what, what Kyle Phillips can add in a slot guy is, is someone who can take advantage of the, uh, of the space that's afforded in the middle by some of those bigger guys uh, and more productive guys on the outside. I think he'll excel, you know, especially in one-on-one coverage. If he gets yeah. a little space uh, in the slot, you know, that, that's exactly uh, what he's looking for. So I, I think that is a big plus for the Titans. Um, you know, I don't know about the, the later uh, picks, but another one I, I, to me, maybe the most interesting um, pick of the draft for the Titans or, or surprise to me was Roger McCreary, you know, taken at, at number uh, 35 overall, you know, three picks into the second round, the cornerback uh, out of Auburn. Um, you know, I, I figured the Titans were going to take a cornerback at some point, just, you know, probably for, for depth purposes. And you had to sort of hedge your bets against uh, Caleb Farley uh, because he's recurrent returning from the ACL. But I did not expect it to be so soon, as I say, at the 35th overall pick. And now if you're, you're looking at a situation where, you know, if everybody's telling uh, you got, uh, uh, you know, Roger McCreary, Caleb Farley, Elijah Molden, and Christian Fulton as your, as your top four cornerbacks, a lot of youth there, uh, certainly, but certainly a, a ton of talent. And I, I think, you know, what we've seen in the scouting reports and the clips on Roger McCreary is maybe he brings a little bit different um, skill set uh, than, than some of the other guys at the corner, and they can move him around a little bit. He excels in man coverage. Anytime you can get a guy who's done very well in man coverage, especially against SEC competition, that's a big bump. So if, if everybody's healthy, you know, there, there's good depth there. 
if Caleb Farley isn't able to come back, uh, you know, at 100%, uh, you know, or, or right away anyway, this is a huge insurance policy in that regard. You've got Roger McCreary, who is, uh, you know, is a top flight corner. And, and I think we need to mention also the tight end, Chago Conquo. Yeah. You know, if, if you put value in the combine, the fastest of the tight ends at the combine, but regardless of, of the, the time, he's a big body that can run, right? Everybody, everybody will agree on that. And, uh, and the tight end group overall, I think, underwhelming for this team last year. Now you've, you've got sort of a much clearer sort of division of labor among that, you know, Jeff Swaim is your blocking guy. Austin Hooper's the veteran who can do a little bit of, of both. And, and Oconquo will be your, your sort of split them out, run them down the seam speed guy. It, 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 it looks like a much, uh, at least a much better put together. If you know whether it's a whether it's a it's a much more productive group remains to be seen. But I think uh, you, you know I, I I think that I think all in all Saturday turned out to be a really good day for the Titans as as much as you can do on on day three of the draft. I think they uh, I think that, that it, at least coming out of it it felt to me like that was one of the better third days this team has had in a little while. And we'll you know we'll we'll see if that uh, if that comes to be. I want I want to go back to Traylon Burks for. A minute and and Denard you said that uh you know he he's gonna have to be the number one guy going into the season yes you you played cornerback in this league you uh when you had and, and you played early in your career when you had some experience behind you and you lined up against a rookie what 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 ways were you going to test him what what did you want to find out about him right away well you know what it's called football IQ um so like Football IQ is like you can take a player from college who can dominate and then you bring him to the NFL. A lot of times he's still learning the playbook. It takes a while to get used to that playbook. There's about a thousand terminologies that you have to use. And then you're talking about college. You only have a few, you know, usually college is called like they let you use your raw talent. Just go get it. You know, you learn the route tree and you learn just to run basic routes just to beat a guy. But then you get to college and you understand there's concepts behind the routes. And a lot of guys actually struggle that first year, you know. And so, like, I take, for instance, like if I played against Tim Brown and and Jerry Rice when they played for the Raiders and I was with Denver, I had issues trying to cover those guys because they were perfectionists and they were experts at running routes. They knew how to use their body. And, 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 w- and what I mean by that body u- utilization is sometimes when you think that you got them and you press man and you got outside leverage and you got help, all of a sudden they know how to do things with their bodies to kind of shake you off, get, get, get you off of them. And they know how to set you up. They know how to set you up. But then what happens is, is when you get a youngster or a young player, like a rookie, a lot of times they're still looking right there at the spot that they need to run to. A lot of times their eyes will take, you know, it'll say, listen, this is where I need to go. I need to get to this spot. So you can look at their body mechanics and say, oh, this is what he's about to do. They don't know how they tip a lot of things off, which gives sometimes a veteran an advantage. And so what he's going to have to learn to do, he's got a great coach in Rob Moore, who was a pro bowler for Arizona and New York. So Rob can get in there and Rob is a big guy. Rob Moore is about 6'3", 230 pounds himself. So imagine Rob can take that frame of his and show him 
what we call the little, the nuances of the game and show him how to use that body, how to get off press coverage, because you're going to face better talent at the next level. He's going to teach him about route running. It's not all about the fade route. It's understanding that when you see this coverage, this is what you have to do. And you got to run this route. All of a sudden you have to make adjustments. So again, it's him getting with Rob Moore, studying film, and just understanding, you know what, this is what I have to do. Once he gets that playbook down, again, you have to be patient because that's where a lot of guys struggle is getting that playbook. Once he gets that down, and then Rob said, listen, just let it go. And what they do is to tweak the offense, kind of work to his strengths. Then again, I mean, he can just play fast. And when he plays fast, he's, he's shown that he can be a great uh, receiver. But again, it's going to take some time. So be patient. Be patient. That's going to be the key with trading work. It's what, patience. What is patience, you're talking. Nobody has patience. <laughs> I know. I don't know. In this day and age, nobody has patience. But again, like, like you said, in preseason, just kind of be patient because they're still learning that playbook. So sometimes you can't play as fast as you want to because you're thinking uh, and your, your mind is going a thousand miles an hour and your body is at a slow motion when you think it should be going a thousand miles an hour. John Glennon, uh, John Robinson said over the weekend, you know, September is still a ways away. There's there's more to do in building this roster. Um, what do you think this team still needs? Where where should they be looking, you know, to kind of get some free agents on the cheap now, be, between now and the start of training camp? I still feel like I'm, I'm not certain about the offensive line. Um, I, uh, you know, certainly they addressed it with uh, Nicholas uh, Petit Prayer, the, the, the tackle situation. I'm not sure, you know, just based on, on clips I've seen, uh, on what I've read, whether he is a lock to be your guy starting right away. Obviously, you know, that he's going to be expected to be a starter in time, but there's a little bit uh, a school of thought that he, he's a bit of a project. Uh, you, know, you know, he has some work ahead of him. So I'm, I'm not absolutely sold on him as a day one starter. And then, of course, you still got the uh, the left guard situation, which is up in the air. You know, we know that Dylan Radens hasn't solidified himself there. Uh, Jamarco Jones is, is still a possibility. Uh, so to me, that there that is the area that, that gives me the most concern if I'm a Titans fan. Uh, you know, three guys are set, stable, solid in, in your starting situation. But those two other spots, there's some question marks. And if you add another veteran, uh, be that at, at guard probably – uh, or or a tackle, I, I still think that would uh, go a long way in uh, allaying some of the concerns. Yeah, I, I think, oddly, one of the most interesting battles, position battles, if you will, the offseason and training camp could be at right tackle between Dylan Radens and, and Nicholas Petit-Frere, you know, two high draft picks the last couple of years. And uh, and, and if it is Petit-Frere who wins that, does Radens, who practiced quite a bit at guard last season, but it, but it doesn't sound like he convinced anybody that he is better suited to guard in the NFL, can, can he slide over to that left guard spot or, or what happens? Your coaches will always say, and I believe, uh, I believe Mike Rabel even said over the weekend, we're going to get the best five up there. And, and, uh, and it, it is just not clear right now what the, uh, what the best five is on this offensive line. So, uh, you know, final thoughts, I guess, here as, as we get ready to wrap this up, we'll, we'll be our quick hits on the way out. Denard Walker, are the Tennessee Titans better now after this draft than they were before the draft? 
Yes, it, it, but it depends on the production they get from Traylon Burks next year. As you alluded to in the last podcast, you said, Denard, you know, how does, you know, he was talking about the draft or, or the draft classes. And then, and what I wanted to say was this, is that it depends on the production. You, you said, will this draft class, how will it be successful? What is a successful draft class? And for me in 2022, it's going to be a lot placed on the production that you get from Traylon Burks and Robert Woods. If those two are productive in 2022, then Tennessee could take the next step towards a Super Bowl. If not, then you can see this team end up regressing because you can't put the load on Derrick Henry uh, each year, because if you do, you're going to wear him down. And I've seen that happen. Uh, I've seen it in the old Oilers with Earl Campbell, and I've seen it with Eddie in Nashville. Again, you have to help him in the way that you help your running back is to get production out of the perimeter. So I'm watching these two for next season. John Glennon, same question. Are the Tennessee Titans better now than they were before the draft? In this moment, in the present, I am I am not sure that you can automatically say that they are right now. And I say that just because the loss of A.J. Brown is so significant. I mean, arguably, almost certainly was the most valuable player on this offense. We know what the offense did with or without Derrick Henry, as opposed to with or without A.J. Brown. And, and frankly, the loss of A.J. Brown was more significant. So you lose him. Granted, you're, you're bringing in Traylon Burke. And, and I think goes to saying too if if Traylon Burks is able to step in and and be good right away then yes the Titans are a better team but we don't know that yet yeah. so I, I think right now and until those kind of things are proven I'm not sure that that the biggest um you know concern of this team which was offense I don't think you can say they're a better offensive team uh, immediately in time they will be right now I, I don't I don't think so yeah I I agree I I think I think the off season became much more important every yes. step of the way. Like Mike yeah. Rabel will tell you mm-hmm. every day is in the off season is important. You, you know, you've got to get better every day, but this team, this team has a lot of work to do in terms of finding its offensive identity right now without AJ Brown. And that will be, uh, and, and how do you do that? and still get Malik Willis the work that you need him to get to. Like you can't have just Ryan Tannehill saying, well, I need every rep I can get with all these wide receivers. Cause you, you know, you've got it. You, you can't just have Malik Willis spending time in the classroom. You got to have him put it into practice out on the field too. So these are, these are things we're going to be watching and we are going to be discussing in the, uh, in the coming weeks and months. But until next week, we, uh, we thank you for, for listening to us continue to follow us as we go forward we are denard walker john glennon and i'm david beauclair this is the believe in titans podcast for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.